Well, um, thinking of Gordy and and just the wasn't the last conversation I had with him, but the one before that. Uh, been to see him a couple times since he's been in the hospital and in hospice, and and um, shortly after, you know, the open opening pleasantries where we say hi to each other and greet each other uh, right away. Right away, he said something like, uh, I have a reservation. I just don't know when I'm leaving. <laughs> and so then he, then he told me the story of uh, his conversion, how he came to know Jesus, how he came to receive Jesus. And as Randy's mentioned, you know, before that in that in that assisted living place where he is, that that he's he's talked to every person. Probably more than once. And so <clears throat> just think of what an example he is for us, but but what are we supposed to learn from something like that? He's still doing, well, he's probably not doing woodworking right now, but he's probably did woodworking when he was 100, you know, in the nursing home. So I think there's something more than that, though. Um, you know, he, he had to have the mindset. He had to have the mindset that I am going to share the gospel. Every chance I get. To everyone I meet. And didn't know his, if he had a strategy or not, but he, he clearly did because he's known as the guy that how, to, says, how sure are you that you're going to heaven? You know, so I, I suspect that the way that he, our conversation was that time I was just mentioning where you uh, greet each other, you just have some common ground to talk about a little bit, and then gets on to, well, how sure are you you're going to heaven? And then I'm sure, you know, shares the gospel with, with someone. Pretty simple. Pretty simple strategy. And quite a mindset. So, tonight, as we go through Exodus uh, 18, first part of Exodus 18, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that here as well. It, it happens to be up where we are in, in God's providence uh, in Exodus 18. Uh, just, just, we've had a couple weeks off due to church picnic and, and VBS, so uh, a little review here, a real quick review 
Uh, from Exodus 17, that's where we were before, where that was the water from the rock. Remember when the Lord brings water out of the rock. And then uh, the second part of that chapter is where Israel defeats Amalek. Um, and so last, last time we met, we were in that last part of Exodus 17, uh, which we entitled Yahweh's War with Amalek. So uh, if you remember... Uh, that section started out this way, then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Okay, so, so they started a war with Israel. They came and they started a war with Israel. Um, and remember that Amalek was a, was a grandson of Esau. So the Jacob and Esau rivalry is in the background. But the Amalekites are relatives of the Israelites. And so when Israel gets rescued, Amalek comes out, fights with them. So they start the war, but they, are, they start the war with Israel. They start the war actually with the Lord, and they're not going to end it. So Israel wins the battle at Rephidim, and then afterward, this is what how this chapter ends, and Moses built an altar and called the name of it, Yahweh is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of Yahweh, Yahweh will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So that's it. That's our review, and we're on to Exodus 18. If you have an ESV Bible, it probably entitles this whole chapter as... Uh, Jethro's advice. There are actually two different two different parts to this chapter. Uh, ESV's decided to lump them together. The part where Jethro actually gives advice to to Moses is the second part of the of the chapter. It begins in verse thirteen. So the first twelve is what we're looking at tonight. And if they wanted to split it off, they might call this part Jethro acknowledges the Lord's greatness. Uh, so we're going to begin tonight by just reading straight through these 12 verses. We don't usually do it that way. I'll just make one comment as we go through when we read through the text, uh, and then we'll go into the study. So if, if you would, turn to Exodus 18, 1 through 12, and, and it will be up on the screen um, in, in ESV uh, as well. So Exodus 18, verses 1 through 12. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other is Eleazar. For he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. 
And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that Yahweh had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how Yahweh had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced over all the good that Yahweh had done to Israel, and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be Yahweh, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all gods. So that's why I said they could have entitled this, Jethro acknowledges Yahweh's greatness. And so from this section here, this little, this little clause here, that's also where we're going to get this, the title for the study that we're going to do to tonight, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, But starting again in verse 11, Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law, before God. Okay. So Exodus 18, 1 through 12. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all gods. Or you, or you could actually say it this way. Now I know that Yahweh is the greatest of all gods. So, so Jethro says this because of what Moses told him. He had already heard when he came, when he came to meet Moses, he had already heard what the Lord had done, but it's what Moses says to him that makes him say, now I know that Yahweh is greater than all gods. Because because Moses made known to him Moses made him known, as in knowing God and making him known. And so that's what we're going to title this, this tonight, the second part of, of, our, of our mission, knowing God and making him known. Making him known. So, so that's what we're all about. That's what our church is to be all about. And, well, that's what, that's what Gordy's about. has that mindset that, you know, I'm going to share the gospel every chance I get. And, you know, we can be, that. he's an example of that, and we can be witnesses like that. In fact, 
We should be witnesses like that. But, but in order to be witnesses like that, we have to have that same mindset. Because it's, it's, it's easy to have the mindset that, you know, when a door opens to me, you know, I'm going to walk through it. Um, when, when I get the opportunity, if the circumstances are right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the gospel with somebody. Um, well, I guarantee Gordy doesn't have that mindset, right? I'm going to share it with everybody. But we can do this, but, but it does require us to have that same kind of a mindset that, that Gordy has. It has that same kind of a of thinking in our head that, you know, we're going to we're going to make him known. That's what we're going to do. We're going to know God and we are going to make him known. So under this this title tonight, we're going to have three questions that we're going to ask, and they, and they arise from the text uh, it, itself. So first one is, to whom should we make him known? And the second one is, how should we make him known? And the third one is, what happens when we make him known? So the first one, to whom should we make him known? We're going to go right back to our, our text and just kind of work through that. Uh, it actually breaks down nicely into these three parts. Um, so let's turn to, or let's, let's look at, at verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian... So, so right away we see who, who we're talking about here. So Jethro, if you, if you are familiar with this, he's mentioned more of the times than just this in Scripture. Uh, and by three other names. So he has three names in Scripture. Um, and one of them is Jethro. But, but the part here I want to focus mostly on is that he is the prince of Midian. Or priest of Midian, not the prince. He's the priest of Midian. So what, is, what does that mean? Well, first of all, Midian is a region. So it is east of Egypt. It is east of the Sinai Peninsula. So it's east of where Moses is now. Uh, it is in an arid country. Um, and Midian is also a people there are, there are a group of people named Midianites, or Midian, and Midian is also a person. So Midian is a son of Abraham and Keturah, who was Abraham's wife after the death of uh, Sarah. So they're relatives, most likely, some relatives of, of Israel. But they are not part of the covenant community of Israel. They're not part of Isaac's descendants. So they are relatives of Israel. So Jethro is the priest of Midian. So we don't really know um, what that means fully. He, he was the priest and he probably presented offerings to God but, or God's. Um, he probably knew who Yahweh is, but there are no, he's not called the priest of Yahweh. So he's not called the priest of the Lord. Israel has no priests to this point. 
Um, the only priests that have been in Scripture to this point are, are non-Jewish people, non-members of the covenant community. Uh, he's one of the three. So he probably knew of, of the Lord because, because Abraham uh, is his father. We don't know how far that carries down to if it gets it makes it all the way to Jethro or not. But, but in, his, in his ancestors, there, there's some knowledge of the Lord. But that would be, you know, more than 400 years before. So we don't really know. So he may have been somebody who accepted uh, various gods and, and maybe even looked up to a chief god. Uh, somebody like Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. And there are a lot of parallels between Melchizedek. You will remember him. He is the king of Salem, and he's the priest of God Most High. So uh, Melchizedek is a priest of a specific god, God Most High. So the high god, the highest of all the gods, Melchizedek, is this. Um, And there are there's a there's a lot of parallels between this account in Exodus and the account in Genesis 14 um, about Melchizedek. So he's he's the prince of God Most High. Well, a lot of people today kind of think in that kind of terms about God. Not not the same way that that Melchizedek would have thought of God most high, but that there is a God. Most people think there's a God. God put that in our hearts. Most people think there's a God. He displays it. Um, whether or not they admit it, most people think there's a God. But, but generally have these kind of ideas about God. They, they believe in God. They really do. Um, but they kind of think he's high up there somewhere. He, he's distant um, probably can't know too much about him. Certainly can't find out everything you know about him that's to be known about him from Scripture. He's probably, because he's the God of the whole world and maybe the universe, you know, he's probably too busy to be concerned about all the little things, including, you know, little things like my sins. I mean, he might be concerned about other people's sins, but he probably isn't concerned about mine because um, I try to be a good person. Right? Um, so he's okay with that. You know, he's probably not too concerned about sins as long as you don't kill anybody. And, and he's not very judgmental. He's definitely not judgmental. He's a God of love. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter what you believe because, because God is the God of the whole world. And as long as you hold your, your faith sincerely, that's what matters. That's, that's kind of the idea that most of us have about God. As long as you're sincere, you're good. So, and, mo- and most people are willing to talk about that God. I, as, as I was reflecting on this, um, thinking about how often it comes up that people will mention God or something about God just in casual conversation. So, back to Exodus 18, verse 1. One thing you'll notice here is how often this is repeated. 
Moses, um, Moses' father-in-law. That the, the Jethro is called Moses' father-in-law. So it's not repeated in this story that, that he's the priest of Midian. But in these 12 verses, it's, it's eight times he's called Moses' father-in-law. Eight times. And in the rest of the chapter, the rest of chapter 18, another four times. So he's called 12 times in this chapter, he's called the Moses' father-in-law. So is it because God thinks we can't remember that? Or, or is he making some kind of a, a point? So why repeat that? This is actually something that, that gets discussed in commentaries. And most people end up kind of in this, this camp. Well, it's to make sure you compare the reaction of this family member with Amalek, who attacks, and then, and then this relative comes and um, comes in peace to Moses. That that's, might be part of it. I think there's also this, though, that there, there's a more important connection here with Jethro as the father-in-law of Moses than that he's the priest of Midian. It's a bigger deal that we're supposed to pay attention to that he is the father-in-law of Moses. So we don't really know a lot about Jethro. We don't know what he's the priest of other than the, the region or the people. Um, but we do know this about him. He heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and how Yahweh had brought Israel out of Egypt. So the word about the Lord and what he had done was spreading. And that was God's intention when he brought the things upon Egypt that he did. You'll remember this. If you don't remember it from Exodus, you'll remember it from the New Testament quote. For this very purpose, I've raised you up. This is, this is the Lord speaking to Pharaoh through Moses. For this very purpose, I've raised you up to show you my power so that my name will be proclaimed in all the earth. That's what the Lord wants. He is an active God. He is not a God who is far off. He is a God that raises up kings in order to demonstrate his power so that his name will be proclaimed throughout the whole earth so that we will make him known. So he's not just far off. He is high above us. But he's also active and, and very powerful. And it, it, it is reasons like this. Sometimes I just, I just want to remind people that, that I substitute um, using Yahweh in the text and where, where English versions say the Lord with Lord in all caps. Just, just for emphasis, for specifically like this kind of thing, the Lord we can think of as a general name for God. We often do think that way. But this is very specific in here. It is about God and his name. So, um, we are to, on to, on to verse 2. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken, taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eleazar. For he said, the God of my father was my help. 
and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. So the mountain of God is Mount Sinai. So he's, he's right by Mount Sinai. Earlier in the story, it's called um, Horev, which means wasteland. This is where the burning bush happened, the burning bush case happened, while, by the way, Moses was tending the flocks of his father-in-law, Jethro. So he's come out now where the burning bush was, or close to it. And, and God is going to appear to Israel there on Mount Sinai. So we're right in there. It's, it's where the Ten Commandments happen. It's near the place where God made the water came out, come out of the rock. It's near the place where Amalek fights against Israel. So Jethro makes a point after he hears what the Lord has done to Israel to come and seek out Moses. Yes, he's bringing back his children. Yes, he's bringing back his wife. But he is coming um, to see Moses. Verse 6, And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife, and her two sons with her. So Jethro comes all that way from, from the east to Sinai to bring Moses' wives, but he's really, really, really coming to talk to Moses. That's why he's coming. He has heard what the Lord has done. He wants to confirm what the Lord has done. So he's bringing, his, he's bringing the kids back too. So when I was reflecting on this, this passage and thinking about you know, how willing people are to, to talk about this idea, their idea of God, of their idea of God, you know, what, like a God most high, like a God that you can't really know very well. You could, you could call him an unknown God. You don't know much about him. You know he's out there. Um, I, w- I was thinking of this, this story where recently... Um, I was I was in a taxi. I had to take a taxi ride. For those of you under thirty, a, a taxi is kind of like an Uber. <laughs> um, anyway, I wasn't thinking about much when I got in this taxi. I had to be somewhere, and the, the taxi driver started a conversation. We we introduced ourselves, names, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and not long into it, he said, well, what religion are you? So I, I started to explain to him a little bit, you know, what we believe. And I said, we're kind of like Baptists. <laughs> and he goes, oh, so you're a Christian then? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. So, and, he, and, then he said, and then he said, well, I was raised Catholic. But now... I still believe in God, but I'm not Catholic anymore. I, just, I, I believe in God, and I just try to be a good person. That's a pretty common, pretty common thing. And, and we started to talk a little bit more in depth, and, and then and he said, well, what's the name of your church? And I said, well, we're, we're Evangelical Free Church. He said, oh, you're Evangelical. I know what you guys are. So I know what you guys are. And he went on to explain a little bit more about what he believed and what he thought and 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 after 
a few more minutes, the taxi ride was over, and I got out. And in retrospect, I, I go, and thinking about Gordy, I go, you know, did was that an open door that I could have walked through? I wish I'd have tried. You know, he righted to, he, he, he made it clear he was, I know what you guys believe. You, might, you don't have to tell me. But, different mindset, right? I'm going to walk through the door if one opens up to me. Then I'm going to share the gospel every chance I get. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. So our first question was, to whom should we make him known? Well, what just happened? We had Jethro, the priest of Midian, a priest who heard about the Lord, right? And he's coming to Moses to talk about him. He's his father-in-law. He wants to hear. Right? He wants to hear about God. He's a priest. He's not a taxi driver. Right? A taxi driver, if a priest wants to hear, a taxi driver needs to hear. Right? Everybody needs to hear, everybody needs to know. Every, people that don't believe need to know. People who believe in God Most High need to know. Anybody believe, who believes in God that excludes Jesus needs to know, needs to be introduced to Jesus. We need to have that mindset like Gordy has, and, and we can do that. Gordy would tell us it's not that hard, Right? It's not that hard. Our next question is, how should we make him known? And Moses gives us just an outstanding example here, um, how to make him known uh, in the next couple of verses. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. So he greets his father-in-law, he shows his father respect, and they ask each other of their welfare and went into the tent. So asking each other about your welfare is, is saying, how's it going, basically? It's, it's about how are you doing? Tell me how things are going for you. So we, we do that same thing. So he establishes some common ground there. They ask each other how they're doing, um, making small talk. But, but establishing some common ground. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. So that's it. He greets him. They establish some common ground. And they go into the tent. Three things. And in the tent, Moses told his father-in-law all that Yahweh had done. 
Um, you know, people make strategies or programs or things like that. You, you do need to have a strategy. You might, but you can't be stuck to certain programs because it just doesn't work that way. But there's a strategy to what, what Gordy does, right? Well, here's a strategy to what, here's a good strategy. Greet somebody, explain, uh, exchange some pleasantry, get some common ground, and then take them into the tent and tell him all that the Lord has done. And here it says, he takes them into the tent and he, and he tells them all that the Lord has done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians and most importantly, for Israel's sake. What the Lord has done for Israel's sake. Or really, you could, you could translate it this way, for the cause of Israel. What the Lord has done for the cause of Israel. So find a way to introduce what God has done. Take people into the tent and find a way to introduce them to Jesus. So, so how do you do that? Well, that, that's our second question. Our second question is, how do you do that? How do you make him known? Uh, pretty, pretty great example here that we have from from Moses. And, you know, we'd say, well, I haven't seen, I didn't get to see what Moses saw. Well, if you were here this morning, we have something better. We have it written down. You can refer to it over and over again. So that's how Moses did it. That's how Moses tells Jethro. Jesus does something similar to this. He strikes up a conversation this is in Luke 24. He strikes up a conversation with two guys walking down the road to Emmaus. So here, here's how, here, here is Jesus' strategy as he walked down the Emmaus road. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. We're talking about Jesus' crucifixion right, and his resurrection. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? So he strikes up a conversation, like a greeting almost. And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So establishing some common ground. And they said concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. 
But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking now, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets, all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses. So this is how Jesus introduces Jesus to the people on the road. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He interrupted them in all the scriptures, or interpreted to them in in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's how Jesus introduces himself to them. He does what Moses does. Only Jesus refers back to Moses, right? So there's a simple strategy, right? There's a simple strategy for sharing your faith. So, so that's, that's, a, that's an example that's repeated over and over in Scripture, if you're looking for it. Opening up the Scriptures, working from the Scriptures, talking from the Scriptures, even in, and it even works in places where, where they're not familiar with the Scriptures. So Paul uses something very similar in Acts 17. He goes into the town of Athens, he introduces, he, he greets the people from Athens, like, like we're talking about, like Moses does. He establishes some co- common ground with them, and then he begins with Moses. So here's, here's what it says. So Paul stood in the midst of the Aragopolis and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. So he introduces himself, he introduces or greets them, establishes common ground. I see you guys are religious, right? For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Well, that we can relate to, right? People don't know much about God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. In other words, you have, a, you have a statue, you have an idol to an unknown God, and I know who that is. Right? And then he goes on. So he establishes that, that common ground with the people of Athens, and then he takes them into the tent. Right? He takes them into the tent, beginning with Moses, and he says this, very next verse. The God who made the world and everything in it, that's Moses. That's Genesis chapter 1, right? 
The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. And then he works his way through this and he introduces them to Jesus, the one who was raised from the dead. So Paul does the same thing. He introduces Jesus that way. So what happens then when we make him known? Well, that, that's, that's a question that, that we can look at the end of, of Exodus 18, uh, this first section of it, and, and see what happens. Verse 9, And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that Yahweh had done to Israel. So this makes a non-Israelite rejoice. So Jethro rejoiced for all the good that Yahweh had done for Israel. And then he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. So notice what he does. He tells them what the Lord has done. So Moses doesn't, doesn't stand up and say, well, this is what I did. I put my staff out there. I hit the water. It turned to blood. It was actually Aaron that did that, but, but you get the point. I told him to. Uh, he, Moses doesn't do that. He tells them all that God has done, not what he's done. A little quote here that I think is just great as we think about strategy of making God known uh, from a guy named Peter Enns. It's our natural tendency to center on our own efforts and accomplishments. But the cause of the gospel demands that we lose ourselves entirely. That we get out of the way and let the glory of God and the wonder of the gospel shine to all the nations. Then they, like Jethro, will be delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel. So get out of the way, tell them what the Lord has done. Um, Verse 10, and Jethro said, blessed be Yahweh. So he acknowledges Yahweh by name, not a general name for God. This is the priest of Midian, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all gods, or he is the greatest of all the gods. You could say it either way. So does this mean that that Jethro is now a has saving faith. That, that's that's a, something that's debated from this, debated from this text, right? He acknowledges Yahweh. Yes, he says he's the greatest of all gods. Yes, but he says he's the greatest of all gods. Does he really have faith in Yahweh or not? And we don't we don't find that out. We don't find out. So our problem isn't, isn't that problem that people believe in multiple gods. It's believed that, that they have a different kind of a view of God. If they believe in one, that's probably just one. But we still, they still need to hear, right? And, and when they hear and when we make him known, what happens? 
Well, well, we, we don't know. That's not up to us, right? It's up to God what happens, and we, and we don't know. We are called to be witnesses. So we never know for sure. Some people receive the gospel right away, and, and then things get hard, and, and they walk away. We don't know. But that's God's work. Right? That is what God is to do. But we do know this, and we can be encouraged by this, this that this is from uh, Acts 13. So this is, this is, this is um, something recorded about Paul. For the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light, for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. We can know that. That as many as are appointed to eternal life believed. So the last clause here is a little bit hard to understand. We're going to skip right over it. Um, And here's the last verse. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So Jethro was worshiping the one true God. So we don't know if he had faith or not. We, We just don't know. So... Let's, uh, those are our three points that we looked at for making him known. To whom should we make him known? Everybody, right? Even priests. How should we make him known? We'll work from the scriptures, beginning with Moses, right? So develop a, a, a simple thing to do. Common ground. The right mindset. Work from scripture. And what happens? We're just, we just don't know. We just don't know what happens. So let's pray, and then we will have our, our final hymn. Father, we do thank you for uh, your goodness to your people. We thank you that, that you are the God who acts on behalf of his people for the cause of his people. And Lord, we pray that we would be faithful witnesses to you, that we would know you and make you known uh, to all people in the world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.